So it's computer vision technology that really gets rid of the biggest friction point in the store. And that's checkout. Everybody loves to go into a store and browse and shop, but man, nobody wants to stand in line and wait to pay. What a pain. So that's the one area that we really focused on to remove. Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Tomorrow podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Dirk. Hi, everybody. And today we're excited to be chatting with AWS's Solutions Lead for Retail, David Dorf. Welcome, David. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Thanks for being here. Could you get started and give us a little bit of a background on, on how you got to AWS and leading Solutions for Retail? Yeah, um, it's been a long trip for me. Uh, I could go way back to when I first got an Apple II Plus as a kid. That's kind of how I cut my teeth in programming. But uh, I'll fast forward up a little bit. And uh, what really got me into retail was working for a French company called Schlumberger. And we brought smart cards to the US. So back in 1996 for the Atlanta Olympics, uh, Visa wanted to bring a stored value card to the US. And uh, I worked on POS terminals. So I was actually embedded coding uh, for those terminals to, to read smart cards and, and uh, enable the um, stored value cards in Atlanta. And that was a great fun project, uh, went really, really well. It was great because uh, so many people were visiting the United States and didn't know the currency, so they could just put everything on a card. Unfortunately, when they left, uh, everyone went back to cash. And <laughs> so Visa Cash didn't, uh, didn't really take off, but I learned a lot about uh, point of sale and POS terminals. And then from there, I ended up going to uh, AMF Bowling, uh, where I built a point of sale system based on Microsoft technologies. And uh, bowling's kind of a, a strange one, too. Uh, you know, you can do a lot of great money laundering in bowling centers. You're not really selling anything but games and shoe rentals, right? So there's no inventory. Um, I've seen some very strange things there. Um, but built a point of sale system there and then went over to Circuit City, which was a leading electronics retailer in the US and they wanted to build a Java-based point of sale system. So I worked on building that there. Um, Circuit City was a really uh, interesting place. Uh, just a little aside, they, um, they, they were really number one in the electronics market in their heyday and, and their leadership you know, stopped for a minute and said, let's go on to another area of retail and, and sort of said, what's the worst retail experience possible that we could address? Um, Kelly, you have any guesses? What's the worst retail experience? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, grocery <laughs> for them, it was buying a used car. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yep. And so they created CarMax, you know, where you, you, uh, have no haggle pricing and seven day money back, all that good stuff. But, um, over at circuit city, we built a Java based point of sale system. That was a lot of fun. And then, uh, I ended up moving over to the vendor, which was 360 commerce. So they were one of the original Java-based point-of-sale system um, vendors, and uh, that got me over to Texas. And then eventually we were acquired by Oracle, uh, and then uh, worked at Oracle for about 10 years through the ATG acquisition with you, Kelly, and then Micros acquisition. So we had multiple point-of-sales there. So that was a long, strange trip. And uh, then uh, Infor, a um, multinational ERP company, called up and wanted to start a retail division. And so I moved over there to start a um, a focus on in-store systems. And we bought a company called Starmount, a uh, guy named Jerry Reitmer, who you may know. Um, he's been in the industry quite a long time. 
built that out. And then um, I've been doing a lot of work with arts. And one of my buddies at arts said, hey, why don't you come over to AWS? And uh, so that's how I got to AWS about two years ago. Okay, that's great. Um, good experience there. Uh, was it Java or Java ME? Just out of curiosity for the point of sale. It was Java SE. Oh, SE even. Wow. Yeah, that goes back. Yeah, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, and on the smart card stuff, it was Java ME. That was the really small stuff. Yeah, I'll bet you've seen a lot over the years. That's amazing. Well, it, it, for those at home counting, I think that was like four point of sale systems um, that I was had a hand in building. So it's been quite a few. Uh, okay. Um, so you mentioned arts. Um, what is arts? And uh, you know, what are some things that you've managed to do through arts? And what worked and what didn't? Yeah, ARTS, the Association for Retail Technology Standards. Got to have a good acronym, right? Um, so back in the mid-90s, um, some retailers and vendors got together and said, there's got to be a better way to increase interoperability between these software solutions and help us reduce the time it takes for integration. Um, so they created a standards group, which was run by the NRF. Which is for our international listeners. Uh, what is NRF? National Retail Federation. So it's really a, a lobbying group, but they have the big show, which occurs every January. A lot of people come to New York City for that. But Arts was really focused on integration between all these vendors for the benefit of the retailers. And uh, we started off with a, um, uh, a data model for in-store that was donated. And a bunch of point of sale systems were actually born out of that, 360 Commerce being one of them. So that allowed us to have a kind of a common language and a common way to store transactions. And then after that, we started working on uh, XML schemas. So most people in the store area know about T-Log, transaction log, which is IBM's version of what a transaction looks like from a store that gets sent back up to the back office. We created something called PauseLog, which was an XML implementation of that. So XML brought a lot of more flexibility so we created standards around pricing and around inventory and around customers. And then these vendors could certify um, that they met those requirements and it made uh, integration a lot easier. So you're able to mix and match between SAP and Oracle and IBM and JDA back in the day and Epicor and you know all these different vendors. So um, a lot of good standards there. Um, Another really big standard that came out of that was uh, Java Pause, which is the standard for operating peripherals. So your cash register, um, receipt printer, line display, uh, we came up with a standard API for that, which really helped with, um, with uh, standards there as well. And then kind of broke into RFPs and all sorts of good standards. But what worked and what didn't work? Well, let me think about that. What, the thing that worked really well was we had a great full-time staff. Uh, and I think that was really necessary to keep the ball moving at all times. So a guy named Dick Mater was our leader, and he was replaced by Tom Fornoff eventually. We always had a full-time architect that uh, gave consistency to how we documented our standards. So that was really important. We had in, uh, in-person quarterly meetings, and we broke into work teams and focused on you know several different things in parallel. And that, I think that worked really well. We always made sure we had a mix of retailers and vendors. So the vendors did much of the work, but we always wanted to have retailers participate to make sure that we were solving the right problems. That was really great. And then um, kind of things that didn't work, we, we had really horrible marketing. Uh, so nobody knew about us. Uh, we had a big booth at the NRF Big Show, and that was basically all the marketing we ever did. Um, 
the certifications were a little tough. They were expensive to create a testing framework was hard. Um, so we didn't get a whole bunch of vendors that ended up being certified. Uh, we, we tried to do our own user conference. Um, uh, it was, it just pales in comparison to what you did for mock in London, uh, this past year was, it just really couldn't take off. And again, I think that goes back to the lack of marketing, but overall we made a lot of, um, a lot of great standards, which are available today from the object management group, OMG, which is taken over from the NRF. Um, so th those standards are still alive and well. Great. Let's talk a little bit about AWS, right? So many people, when they hear AWS, so another abbreviation, right? So Amazon Web Services, um, think about uh, infrastructure, uh, compute, storage, um, APIs, um, but there's a lot more to it, right? So so what's to connect it to retail, right? So what, what's AWS uh, approach to retail? And maybe you can also point out how that differentiates to the other infrastructure providers, right? So Azure, GCP, um, and so on. Yeah, so the AWS approach um, is kind of the, the same across all industries. We try to, we have um, people that focus in different industries. So we want to make sure that we have industry experts available. Um, we're, we're trying to be more vertically, um, our, our go-to-market is trying to be more vertically focused. And we focus on both builders and buyers. So in the beginning, you know, it was really focused on builders, um, who want to build things in AWS. Uh, we provide a lot of architectural guidance and things like that. Now we're more focused on buyers. Uh, so we have a lot of investment in a partner ecosystem. Uh, and so we, we want to make sure that all of the retailers that come to AWS, we have partners that can help them as well as if they want to build themselves, we provide that guidance for them. And then in cases where what they're trying to do isn't really represented by a, an existing product in the market, we'll consider building it ourselves. So that's where we, we actually build some solutions ourselves. Um, some of the things that I think make us different, um, one of them is price reductions. So we've had over 100 price reductions over time. We're constantly trying to optimize and pass those savings on. That's a big thing for us. Just the number of services, we're constantly innovating and creating new services all the time. And that's really driven by our customers. They tell us what they need. And um, Andy Jassy has a saying, there's no compression algorithm for experience. Um, and AWS has, has been around the longest in terms of the cloud, right? So we've had a lot of experience and a ton of that has been retail specific. So we like to say that AWS was um, uh, born from retail and built for retailers. So we understand scaling. We understand um, uh, things like forecasting and pricing and because we actually are doing those things on the on the Amazon side of the house. Um, so we, we have a large retail competency where we have over, I think, 70 different partners right now that have passed the competency that focus just on retail. We have a new marketplace where a lot of those partners advertise their, their wares and make it very easy to download and implement. So I think our, our focus on retail really sets us apart from the competition. Yeah. Is there... Uh, feedback input, I would say, either from the partner channel or from the customers. That's then also finding its way back to the innovation on AWS itself. Oh, absolutely. You already mentioned that you're building a lot of solutions on top of it, but I assume it could also be vice versa. Yeah, and, and, and um, so it's, it's a two-way street. So we pull some things from the Amazon side of the house and make them into services. And then in some cases, Amazon says, hey, we need streaming data 
so we build kinesis for them, you know, things like that. So it, it definitely goes back and forth. Um, a, a great example is like uh, personalization. So Amazon's been doing personalization for quite a long time uh, on the website. And, you know, we got a lot of customers that were saying, hey, we want to do personalization too. So we took a lot of the ML algorithms and pulled them out and made a specific service. So you can, you can see Amazon personalized services out there and retailers can use that to do all sorts of personalization, product recommendations, um, you know, custom hero pages and things like that. Um, same thing with um, uh, Amazon Connect is our call center application. It's the call center that Amazon uses, right? So it's, it's built to scale. Uh, it works in a browser. You don't have to have any uh, downloaded applications, which was great during COVID because we could send people to work from home very easily. Um, we had some um, grocery customers in the UK that did the same thing. Uh, it, it's, it has machine learning in it. So it's uh, actually doing transcription for calls. It's funny, uh, if you get an irate customer on the call with you and they start berating you or using cuss words, we, we can interpret that and automatically have a manager jump on the phone to help uh, mm-hmm. cool down the situation. So <laughs> I'll have to remember that tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of sharing of, of knowledge and experience. Very good. So um, let's switch gears a little bit to the point of sale side. Um, you know, it's it's pretty remarkable if you think about it that point of sale still as as it is today. It's largely unchanged since the '80s, even. I mean, besides maybe that you insert a chip, but other than that, it's still not very contactless. Still not very efficient. Um, you know, where do you see that heading, and when do you think uh, things will change? Well, Kelly, you got to visit an Amazon Go store. <laughs> yeah. Point of sale has changed quite a bit in that regard. So the the whole just walk out technology, uh, I think, is pretty transformational, and we actually offer that to third parties. So you'll see that in airports, like Hudson newsstands, I think, are rolling those out. You'll see them in um, stadiums. So just last week, I was at Texas A and M um, for their uh, football. Stadium, we just installed three um, uh, just walk out convenience areas where people can walk in, grab a beer and walk out. For those who haven't seen it or experienced it yet or haven't watched uh, one of the videos online, can you quickly explain maybe yeah. from the customer experience side how that works and also then from the other side, from the store, uh, how it's technically covered? Yeah, absolutely. So a customer walks up to a store and there's a turnstile and they need to identify themselves. And there's three ways to do that. You can identify yourself using a palm print. So that's another technology that we've brought to market. You can just insert your credit card. Or if you're um, a member of that retailer's loyalty program, you can typically use your phone to show a QR code and scan it in. In all three cases, we're just identifying who the customer is and what their attached payment vehicle is. Turnstile opens, you walk inside, and across the ceiling are a variety of cameras And we use computer vision and machine learning to actually watch you walk into the store and we can track your moves within the store and see what products you pick up. So we're keeping track. We've basically created a transaction. We're adding items as you grab them. You can put them back if you want. That's fine. We, we actually can see that. And when you figured out what you want to buy, you go to the exit. There's a turnstile there and you walk out. And, and a receipt is then emailed to you for all the things that you just bought. So it's computer vision technology that really gets rid of the biggest friction point in the store. 
and that's checkout. Everybody loves to go into a store and browse and shop, but man, nobody wants to stand in line and wait to pay. What a pain. So that's the one area that we really focused on to remove. Now that said, just walk out won't necessarily work for every different type of retail, right? Um, we're using it in convenience right now quite a bit. We, we see some uh, applicability in grocery and things like that. Uh, a little more difficult for fashion. You know, you're grabbing a garment. The computer vision can't really tell what size that garment is and things like that. So that's a little trickier. Um, but so if we if we just set just walk out aside for a minute and talk about traditional POS, then Kelly, yeah, you're right. It hasn't changed a whole lot. And um, what really upsets me is that the whole industry still treats point of sale as its own application. Uh, independent of all the other channels where we're selling. And I think, you know, we've had this whole push for omni-channel, but the reality is, is most retailers have approached omni-channel through integration, and that's the wrong way to do it. Integration is brittle and it's uh, time-consuming. It's, uh, it's not as fast. It doesn't always provide all the consistency. I think the right answer is having a single selling system with different user experiences built on top of that. Right. And that's what really attracted AWS to the mock alliance. I mean, that's the right architecture for retail. You really need a bunch of microservices that provide all this business logic in the cloud. And then you have a different user interface for a point of sale, a different user interface for e-commerce, a different one for a kiosk or a forecourt or metaverse. You don't know what that user interface is going to be. That's OK. You build those custom for that particular stakeholder but then you're reusing all that logic on the back end. And there's so much goodness that comes from that. That's where we've got to get to. Now, I'm a little frustrated that we haven't gotten there. Um, and I think a lot of the problem comes from, for example, the way retailers are organized. Uh, there's still, still a separate um, uh, point of sale from e-commerce. So, Kelly, I, I know you sell a lot in the e-commerce world. How many times have you interacted with the VP of store operations? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. Doesn't, doesn't that seem bizarre when we talk about an omni-channel world? I mean, it, it really should be a merging of, of those different groups into a single, um, a single group that's working on the experience for the customer. And I have seen a few retailers who say they have a chief omni-channel officer or a chief customer experience, but that's just an overlay on top of these two or three separate organizations. And that, that needs to change. Um, I, I love seeing some of the analysts talk about composable commerce. I think people are starting to think in those terms. Um, and, and I think the problem is also on the vendor side. So I have talked to a few retailers that have said, that's exactly what I want. Where do I sign? You know, and, and there isn't something you can buy today right away. Um, but I think that's coming. I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. And, and I, hope, um, I hope to see that in the, in the very near future. Yeah, I would too. Um, same with online checkouts as well. That's also very uh, poor experience. Um, so looking outside the AWS Amazon ecosystem, what are some other cool point of sale innovations you've seen recently? Anything interesting that you look at and say, wow, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> you know, I, I think the the different ways that you can be identified um, in the store. So I mentioned Amazon One, which is palm printing. Um, I think that's pretty cool. It takes away another little piece of friction, allows you to get in the store very quickly. 
Um, there's another product that we've been working on called Dash Carts, which are smart shopping carts for grocery that have built-in cameras. So as you drop items in, they can see the barcodes and will just automatically register up um, what, you're, what you're adding to your cart. And uh, I think what's really cool about that is it opens up a whole possibility for in-aisle marketing. So the Dash Cart has a little computer display. So as you're adding things to the cart, say, hey, don't add that Coke, add this Pepsi. Or hey, add two more and you can get the third free. You know, things like that to really assist with, uh, with shopping. I think that's pretty neat. Um, I love the fact that a lot more retailers are using mobile devices and tablets and getting out onto the floor uh, and working with customers to help them buy the right things. You know, so I think that consultative retailing is really important. Um, I love to see some of that. Um, and then, of course, with COVID and everything, everyone was really doing buy online, pick up at the curb or at the store. And so I think it's really impressive to see retailers uh, fulfilling from stores. Um, if you're a retailer with a large number of stores, that could be your competitive advantage. You should be able to fulfill from those stores very quickly and efficiently. Not really a POS type thing, but it, it's related. So optimizing the ability for, the, for your in-store people to pick, pack, and ship from the back room, I think that's hugely important. So we started this podcast episode with some abbreviations, right? So um, around arts and NRF. Um, now let's finish it with probably the most important abbreviation of uh, these times. Um, as uh, you are also an advisor to the Mach Alliance, right? And uh, will be leading our uh, retail uh, standards initiative. Um, what's your approach there that you'd like to take? Yeah, so... Um... Much the same as, as uh, we did at Arts, I think the really important thing is to identify where the friction exists. And that comes from your customers, right? Your retailers. I think the first thing we need to do is really make sure we understand what problems we want to solve and prioritize. Um, so we need to interview customers. We need to talk to solution, our, um, system integrators who have a lot of experience with implementing multi-vendor solutions and understand where the problems exist. Once we've really got a catalog of those problems, we can prioritize them. We can break up into different work teams so that we can work in parallel. And then we can look to address those issues of integration. I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, there's a lot of great technology out there today, like GraphQL, um, that make it a lot easier to do integrations. People are really on board with creating well-known, well-documented APIs. So I think if we can start to standardize on some of the nomenclature, some of the semantics, I think that will ease some of the integration burdens and will really help our, um, our retailers get to market faster. Awesome. Now that's a wrap. Um, thanks a lot, David, um, for being on our podcast. Um, what's the best way for retailers or anybody else who's interested to get in touch with you to contact you? Yeah, so my email is uh, davdorf at amazon.com. Uh, if anybody has questions or comments, they can certainly reach me there. Okay, perfect. And then I know before the show, you, we, we spoke about that um, you will have a big presence at NRF, right? So I think that's one. Or at the next uh, Mach Alliance event, um, probably. Absolutely. Thanks again, David. Uh, thanks, Kelly. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks. Thanks, guys.